Yeah, but well, I is that on? Can you hear me? What have I done, James? Am I on now? Um, while I get dressed up here, would you like to just turn and greet and shake hands with one another? Terrific. Thank you. Can I give you that? Thanks. Great to have Rod back. Thank you, sir, for sharing with us. Typical of you, passionately, strongly. And I do commend to you the uh, table of his wares. <clears throat> and if for no other reason, I do encourage you to join the ride to be supportive of it. If for no other reason than to see Rod in Lycra. Will you be there? Yes. <laughs> you will be there. Will you be in Lycra? Who will go if he wears lycra? <laughs> nobody, nobody. I, I, if I wear lycra and I went, would you support it? <laughs> Unfortunately, I'll be away on that weekend. <laughs> but I am happy to, you support it, you give significantly, and I'll wear lycra. In church. <laughs> One day. In five years from now. Before the event. <clears throat> nah, nah. It's not a good idea. These are some of the goodies that are available on the table that I commend and ask you to have a good look at before you go. There's a, a, um, an information called The Journey. There's a little card with the ride information on it. And significantly, there is this fantastic photo of Rod, Abby and the kids. And it's the way that you can take that and you rip that off and you put that on your fridge to remember to pray for them. And there's a form to fill in in terms of us getting behind him as his home church and uh, supporting them in their significant work of ministry. That'd be excellent for us to do, wouldn't it? Yeah. So I commend that to you um, and to join us as we get involved in doing that. Out there also on the table this morning, it was there last Sunday, but I need to draw your attention to it this Sunday, that uh, there is a, a, a booklet, a draft copy at this stage. We'll add to it over time, I am quite sure, over the years probably, uh, depending on the feedback we get, and we might even beautify it into some colour or whatever. Um, it's teaching about elders here at Sunnybank. The reason that's available this Sunday and last Sunday and it'll be available there on Sundays to come is because next Sunday the pastoral team will be uh, calling for nominations for, uh, for elders, for more people to join the pastoral team. We do need more elders and with some of the new structural things we're putting in place and certainly thinking about, we just need more people on the ground, uh, men and women, uh, to join us in that task. There are certainly some changes that are happening 
uh, that will happen, I expect, at that level as we've been talking and praying about it. It's not clear for us yet, but we're seeking the Lord and we have another retreat coming up in June 21st. You might pray for that. The pastoral team will get together, I think it's after a men's breakfast, and we're spending another three, four hours together as talking, thinking, wrestling with um, some changes that we need structurally, uh, particularly in terms of governance in the life of our church. So value your prayers about that. Um, I'm going to ask you to bow with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. You are a God who is very caring and a God who communicates. You haven't left us in the dark, but that you have revealed yourself to us in the person of your Son and through your Word and by your Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for Rod, for the work of international teams. And I pray your blessing upon this ride event, that it would raise significant funds for work which is close to your heart. So too, Lord, close to your heart is the desire for your people to hear and to obey that which you have uh, communicated to us. So we pray this morning for ourselves that you would speak to us, and not just to inform us, but to shape us, that we might be more like the Lord Jesus, passionate in our pursuit of him joining hands with him in the work that's going on in the world. So, Lord, enlighten us for Jesus' sake. We pray in his name. And everybody said? Colossians chapter 4, we find ourselves in. We are in a series on, called Connecting. And this could very well be the, uh, the key verses to link with that series. Um, it's about connecting with God, particularly in prayer and corporate prayer. But it's connecting with God. Connecting with one another, um, fellowship, but also particularly in life groups. Encouraging you to join life groups. There's a, in, more information on the life group notice board down there this morning. I encourage you to have a read of that. And if you're not in a life group, to think about it and uh, stick it on a yellow form and say, we'd like to join a life group, or can I find out more information about a life group, or can I start a life group, whatever. Um, do it as the Lord prompts you. I encourage you to join that. Connecting with God, connecting with one another, for the purpose of connecting with others. Evangelism, the gospel, of us being aware, raising our awareness of the relationships that God has placed us in for the purpose of having gospel conversations. This passage talks about that. In fact, in the book of Colossians, we have uh, from chapter 3, you get this... Um, because we are connected with the Lord Jesus, our lives are being transformed. That's in chapter 3, and it's about verse 5 to 17. Uh, our, our relationships, verses 18 to the end of the chapter, our relationships are affected. That's connecting with one another. And now in this passage, he's going to talk about particularly connecting with those who are on the outside, connecting with others. So not only does it broad context... It does those same three things within this passage. Colossians 4 verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. Why? So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. If you think about it, it's connecting with God in prayer. It's connecting 
Paul's connecting with the Colossians and asking them to do that so that he, in verse 5, may connect with others in verse 4 and may even be telling them about the gospel. That's our theme and this is, a, as I said, a significant passage in it. There are three points. There's often three points, isn't there? Um, there's prayer. There's the walk, verse 5, how you live. And there is the talk, your speech, verse 6. So it's prayer. And if I call prayer as uh, somebody, I forget who, but somebody once described prayer as the walkie-talkie, not the domestic intercom of our conversation with God, but it's the walkie-talker because we're involved in a world and we're in a spiritual warfare. Prayer is the walkie-talkie. So the three passages, three points this morning are the walkie-talkie, prayer, the walk, and the talk. Isn't that clever? What are they? The walkie-talkie, the and the good didn't go to sleep now that's all i've got <laughs> the walkie-talkie is um verses two to four and there are six sub points that go with it we're going to work our way through these pretty quickly um and then the walk he says two things about that and then the talk he says three things about that so three points the walkie-talkie the walk and the talk and it has these 11 sub points he says about the walkie-talkie that we are to devote ourselves to it, that we are to be alert in it, and that we are to be thankful in it. And we're to pray particularly for an open door for the word to be presented, for the mystery of Christ to be clear in its presentation. So those six points, we're going to work our way through them just quickly, and may the Lord speak to you and to me. Um, Devote yourself to prayer. It's a choice. When you devote yourself to something, you say yes to something, you say no to something. I am devoted to my wife. I say yes to her. And therefore I say no to a whole lot of other things. And sometimes I say no to her for the things that she's asking. You get the point? Devotion is saying, yes, I will do that. It's a choice. It's a discipline. It requires time. If you're going to be devoted to something, it's time that you allocate to it. And it takes time to actually develop and grow in it. Devote yourselves to prayer. Choose. Allocate time in your busy lives, busy schedules. Don't just sell out for the telegram prayers or the, the arrow prayers that you do on the run, that you do spontaneously. They're terrific and keep that up. God loves it. But he is worthy in your relationship with him of having dedicated time, especially for blokes. Especially for blokes. This only occurred to me this week. Uh, women, uh, you think differently, you network differently, you can multitask, and your life can be a whole lot. Somebody described it once that women are like a bowl of spaghetti. You know, it's all <laughs> in between and mingled up. And prayer can fit into that for you. Well, blokes, the same person says, and blokes are like waffles. You know, it's all compartmentalised and it's got sections. Now, I don't know. For most of us, it's true. For me, it's true, which is why we can do one thing at a time. So if we're watching TV, we're in that box. We're watching TV. We're not listening. <laughs> not doing anything else. We're watching TV. 
If you want to do something else, then you have to come out of the box where you're watching TV and you have to go and do the other thing that you want to go and do, whether it's eat something or to engage in a conversation with somebody else. But we can't do both. I can't do both. Rhonda knows I can't do both. My PA, Kylie, knows I can't do both. When Kylie comes to my office door and she's got to deliver me a message, if my eyes are on the screen of the computer, she knows it is a complete waste of time to talk to me because I won't hear her because I'm in the little box that says I'm watching the monitor. So she'll stand in the doorway and wait until I change focus and then look at her. So I've come out of that box and now I'm focusing on her. So for us fellas, I think, prayer has to be one of those boxes that you have to bring into your life, to devote yourself to it, you've got to allocate time to it. Because if you just rely upon the spontaneous, the arrow prayers, the telegram prayers, then you're going to go through many days where it doesn't happen. You will not have significant conversations with God. You just, because you won't get into the box. Does that make sense? Does it make sense? Oh, you don't agree with that. Maybe. Either way, however it works for you, devote yourself to prayer. And it's certainly God's delight. And the Apostle Paul says to us, when we are devoting ourselves to prayer, stay alert in it. Be watchful. One version expresses it as. That means when you're praying, it's alertness means you're concentrating. You're not just on automatic. You're not just going through a routine. You're not just saying a prayer. You're praying. You're talking. You're asking. In this context, primarily the word prayer means to ask. Prayer, of course, has many dimensions to it, but its ultimate meaning is to ask. When we pray, we ask God for something. And he's delighted with that because he loves for us to be reliant upon him and he loves to give. Be alert in it. Watch for God's responses. And he does respond. That's why the Apostle Paul says, be alert, watchful, with thanksgiving. You ask, devote yourselves to pray. Devote yourself to asking for things. Stay alert. And when God answers, be thankful. Be thankful for the things he's already done in the past. Be thankful for the things he's doing right now in the present. And especially, be thankful for the things that he's going to be doing in the future. Devote yourself to prayer. Use the walkie-talkie. Keep alert in it. And then respond with thanksgiving. Because God does respond. Often, not always, often, he'll do exactly what you are asking. It's a definite answer. Sometimes, excuse me, he'll, he'll give you a positive answer, but it's going to be different. Or he'll give you what you're requiring, but it'll be at a different time. All of those are positive responses. Definitely, you can have it right now. It's different. It's yes, but different. And it's um, yes, you can have it, but not right now. And sometimes, because he is a loving Heavenly Father, he says no. Request denied. Not the best thing for you, not the best thing for what I want to do in your life, not the best thing for advancing the kingdom cause. Pick up the walkie-talkie, devote yourself to it, be alert in it, give thanks for God's responses. And then the Apostle Paul says, and pray for us. When you're praying, pray also for us. Listen to this. Well, Paul, I need to say this as well. Pray for us that God may open a door for our message, for the word. There's a link in the Apostle Paul's brain and in the scriptures. There is a link between prayer and open doors. 
God works through prayer to open doors. Praying makes a difference. A difference. That when we pray and pray for people, God is at work in people's lives and he can open a door for the gospel to be presented, to be received. John Piper says this, that when we pray, God changes attitudes and receptivity. Piper also went on to say, when he was encouraging the people to pray for him, he says, my effectiveness in presenting the gospel is linked directly, therefore, with your prayers. You pray, then the preachers of God's word will be more effective. That's a truth, isn't it? That's a truth, isn't it? Pray. Devote yourself to it. Be alert in it and for thanksgiving. Pray certainly about yourself and your relationships. Pray for the preachers of God's word. Pray for the missionaries. Pray for Rod Bishop. Pray. Pray that God will open a door because God seems to work. The Apostle Paul expected it. God certainly in the opened the way through the Red Sea. He's always opening a way. He opened a way in the desert for Israel to return. He opened a way for Joseph to get out of prison. And it's even linked in the scriptures you'll find. The exodus happened because God's people were praying. It begins when God chooses Moses and says, I have heard the suffering, the prayers of my people, and I'm sending you to deliver them. Prayer opened the way. It's in the book of Ezekiel where God says he looked for a person who would stand in the gap that he might do something. But I didn't find one, the Lord says. It's what we said a few weeks ago, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I will do this. Prayer is linked with God at work, God opening doors. And specifically, please note that the Apostle Paul says here, pray for the open door so that the word can be presented. The word. Not just... John MacArthur gives this warning about often with evangelism and presenting the gospel. He says there are three faults. There's experience-based testimony where we just tell nice stories, but we give no content about Jesus. We never mention him. We never mention the cross or the need to repent and believe and the gift of eternal life. We never get onto that. We just talk about our own experience-based He said that's inadequate. Second thing, problem with evangelism, thing to be aware of to avoid is ego-centered evangelism. If you give your life to Christ, then everything will change. You'll be happy, prosperous, and your marriage will be better, and you're giving false promises, and it's driven by their own sense of need. And the third one is expedience-driven. They're the headhunters. They're the ones who are after decisions. They're not after making disciples. They're getting a quick responses and often they're shallow responses so the apostle paul prays please pray that god will open a door so that the word not my experience only and not ego driven things for other people and not just getting decisions but for the word of god the mystery of christ that he talks about that it might be made clear that jesus was god in the flesh came into the world lived the perfect life died a substitutionary death on the cross rose again victoriously from the dead Ascended into heaven, reigns on high, one day is returning. The mystery of Christ. That's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Pray that God will open the door and pray that I'll be able to deliver that message as effectively as I can. You've got to pick up the walkie-talkie. Devote yourself to it. Be alert in it. 
and respond with thanksgiving and pray for yourself and for others. Pray for preachers, pray for missionaries, pray for those with the gift of evangelism, that God will open the door for them and that they'll present the mystery of Christ, the word of God, uh, so that people will come to faith. I read this during the week too. Open doors are sometimes just wide open. They're opportunities that God gives to you where you almost do nothing and it's just delivered to you on a plate that somebody comes and is asking you a question. I've never had this experience, but I've had similar, but not this exact experience, past a friend of mine in Sydney years ago. He had a person come to his office door during the week, knock on the door, and this person, a complete stranger to him, his name was Bill, the pastor, Bill opens the door and the guy comes in and the guy says to him, what do I have to do to be saved? Unbelievable. Now there's an open door. Well, God can do that. But that's not the only way to have an open door. The Bible certainly talk, gives illustrations of that as an open door. It's like in Acts 8, as we spoke about, I think it was last week, Philip, you know, leave here and go to the Gaza Road and the guy comes along, it's an open door. Um, it's Acts 10, it's Cornelius, it's Peter being called to the house of Cornelius and he gets there and it's Cornelius, it's an open door. He says, well, I was praying and God sent an angel and God did this and now we're here to listen. What do you got to say? And he gives him the gospel. Sometimes the door is open, but it's, it's unlocked open, but it might be shut. Does that make sense? So it's closed, but it's not locked. On those doors, you have to either push or you have to knock. Does that make sense? Uh, sometimes God opens the door. He unlocks the door of, of a person's life and heart, but you have to do a little push. You have to put your toe in the water. You may have to initiate the conversation. You may have to be picking up on what's going on here. That's Jesus last week in John 4 with the woman of Samaria. He's pushing on the door. He knew God wanted him there for reasons, so is this it? Or it's the story of the rich young ruler where Jesus tells what he needs to do to be saved and then allows the guy to lock the door. And Jesus allows that sort of response. So, brothers and sisters, let us devote ourselves to prayer. Pick up the walkie-talking. Devote ourselves to prayer. Be alert in it, concentrating, aware, and then responding with thanksgiving as our Heavenly Father responds to us. And in particular, let's pray that God will open doors. Kids Club coming up. Let's commit ourselves as a church to pray fervently that God will open the door of the hearts of the kids who come, of the parents of the kids who send them, of the leaders who come back every year to help out who don't yet know Jesus. For the devotional talks that go at 8 o'clock every morning of that week, where they'll hear an aspect of the gospel, where they'll hear these sorts of truths, pray for Kids Club and on and on and on through the life of our church, for mops, for kids' church, for kid and on, brigades and so on. Pick up the walkie-talkie. Second thing, Lane linked with it, the Apostle Paul says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Verse 5, make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in the way you act, in the way you live. Notice there are insiders and there are outsiders. That there are two kingdoms. And the believers are in God's kingdom. 
And people who are not in God's kingdom, who don't know Jesus, are on the outside. And God is concerned that the outsiders are given the opportunity to become insiders. And the way he does that is not only through the walkie-talkie of prayer, it's through the walk of the Christian. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. You need to do both. But walking comes before talking. One of the spiritual truths John Wimber taught me was that often what God does in the physical is an insight into what he's doing in the spiritual. Now, often that's the case. Babies crawl and walk before they talk. So for us spiritually. We follow Jesus and our life gets changed before we can articulate the mystery of Christ. God will often use us as we um, make many mistakes evangelistically and probably even theologically. But the process is normal. Live a consistent life. And the danger is that the more you follow the Lord Jesus, you follow the journey that I'm on. I have very little contact with non-Christians. I have contact with non-Christians. I have very little contact with them. And I'm keen for it. Whereas you, in your work situation, you might very well be surrounded by non-Christians. It's a gift. It's not a frustration. God's put you there with all of its difficulties. Look for the opportunities. Pray. And learn how you can speak wisely. But to people like me, and I'm not alone, there are many others too like us, where you're surrounded by Christians. You work with Christians. They need sanctification, the people I work with. And so do I. Um, but the non-Christians that I get to meet with are, are those, you know, in incidentals usually. I need to go uh, join a golf club again and go play with non-Christians and um, do something. I don't know what I'll do. I need to do something. Um, my point is, we need to be wise in how we relate to those who are on the outside. Here's a question for you. How did the early church advertise their faith? How did they do it? How come they were so successful? They were a minority in the world in which they lived. They had no church building. There was no big notice board that says church. There was no cross available. There's no radio, TV, newspapers or magazines that they could advertise in. They didn't have any stickers on their chariots advertising Jesus. They had no tracks, no books, no CDs, no DVDs, no New Testament. If they had a Bible and it was just the Old Testament. They had no Christian jewellery, no Christian mugs with logos on it. How did they do it? They lived it. They were wise in how they related to the outsider. They were transformed by the grace of God. They had a heart for lost people, for the poor, for the oppressed. So just like they did it was so successful, this passage is saying to us we need to do exactly the same. We need to live the life 
There's nothing wrong, by the way, with all of those things, buildings and crosses and jewellery and mugs and stickers on cars, and that's all fine, provided that's not the substitute, that you're just allowing for that and, and have no intentions of living the life. They, they could be helpful, but not a substitute for living the life. So it might be time for us to get our lifestyle in shape, lined up with God's will, in tune with what he's doing. So let me ask you a question. Are you living the way that God wants you to live? Are you living authentically? Are you being wise in the way that you act towards non-Christians? We've got families around us. And not far from where we live, there's a family with... I don't know how many kids they've got. It's four or it's five. I've never seen them all together at once, so I'm not real sure. And they're a nuisance. They ride their bikes onto my driveway. They play on my front lawn. I've got pebbles, we have pebbles around a footpath. They like to pick them up and throw them. And I haven't been very smart. Just because that irritates me, and it does irritate me. So I'll be sitting in the lounge room and these kids will come. They haven't done it for a long time because I yelled <laughs> inside the lounge room. So it probably reverberated. I just yelled out, oi, very loud. One of them died on the lawn. <laughs> I buried him in the backyard. No, he didn't die, but I scared them. Well, so I should have. They shouldn't be on my front lawn. Now what have I done for my witness? Now how can I live wisely before those kids? Their mum and dad don't know, so I, can, I still got a bridge there. Because the kids would not have gone home and told their mums and dads that. But with those kids, I've lost an opportunity that I probably will never get back. God's gracious and he can do anything, but because I was selfish and silly, I blew it. You doing that? The way you're reacting to non-Christians, to people in network relationships with you? We need to be wise because the big picture, it's not lawn and it's not stones and it's not driveways. The big picture is the gospel and it's those kids' relationship with Jesus. That's the big picture. And I, in my sinfulness and my selfishness, wrecked it. For which I, you know, have apologised, repented before God and asked him to make up the difference. The Apostle Paul then goes on to say, significantly, don't just be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Watch your mouth. New life, new heart. The, heart, the abundance of the heart reveals comes out the mouth. Watch your speech. And the Apostle Paul says, let your conversations always be gracious, full of grace, kind, sensitive, gentle, truthful, loving, thoughtful. Maybe correcting, but certainly not correcting in ways that do damage. Certainly not bitter or abrasive or condemning or vindictive um, or arrogant. Let your speech be gracious. How are you doing with that? 
And the Apostle Paul doesn't mean that we're just always to be dribbling niceties, you know, like molasses. Because he goes on to say, seasoned with salt. By which I think he certainly does mean it's pleasant speech, it's adding pleasantness to the conversations and the relationships that you're involved in, that it's appetising, that your conversation and your life in Jesus, you're so concerned for your love with Jesus, that it's the overflow. And people will like it and be attracted to it, those whom God is opening the door for. But salt also means that it has... It can have a sting in it that has a healing property. And your conversations and the relationships that you're in is likewise to have um, an influence that rescues conversations from some of the filth or from the gutter or something like that. Be an influence. The Greeks have this saying that your conversation is seasoned with salt means it's a metaphor for them saying that you say the right thing at the right time and in the right way. That's a word in season. And they called it seasoned with salt. And then, and it seems to be that second meeting because he says, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You're in a conversation with somebody and you're being who you are in Jesus. And then in the conversation, you know the word to say or the story to share or the response that needs to be given. It's... So you'll know how to answer people at the right time. You'll be making an appropriate response. Three things. Walkie-talkie. Devote yourself to it. Be alert in it with thanksgiving. Pray for God to open the door so that the word, that the mystery of Christ can be presented clearly. The walk. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of the opportunities that God will be giving you and be wise, not foolish, like I was. And then the talk, the walkie-talkie, the walk and the talk. Let your speech, your words, your conversation be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you know how to speak the right word at the right time into people's lives. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, again for the clarity of your word. Thank you for the invitation, the openness that we have to talk to you in prayer. Help us to devote ourselves to it. And then, Lord, enable us to see you opening doors, people coming to faith in him. Help us, Lord, to be wise in our relationships and help us to watch our tongues that we might speak a word in season as required. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.